This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. So I wanted to say was this message tonight is uh, it's called The Truth About Matthew 6 and 21. And uh, just as a subtitle, A Heart for God. A hate for sin. I said hate and a heart to give. And uh, Pastor, this was spurred out of a, a series you did on uh, the truth about, the real truth about the tithe. And uh, I know when the last, the last lesson, the last uh, lesson of that series, I just wrote in big letters, just tithing is a lifestyle. And uh, you said it throughout the uh, series, but it was way more about than just money. It was way more than that. And so that's how I took it. And so I, I took this to heart, and so um, this is what we're going to talk about, having a heart for God. And if you have a heart for God, you have a heart to give. All right, so um, I also want to say, you know, we want to find reasons to take or receive. And um, I'm, I'm going to definitely quote some things from that message, that series of you did, Pastor. But also, um, you made a statement, if you have a problem giving, then you should have a problem receiving. And boy, that's just, that resonates strong with me. I just can't, you know, me personally just can't stand to see people that always want to take and take and take and never, never give. And I'm always trying to search the scriptures for uh, how they can get a gain, you know, a personal gain of this, uh, this temporal stuff. And uh, I'll say more about that a little bit. And also another statement you, you said, I always had this little book, and uh, when, when uh, my founding pastor was around, he would say things and I would just write it in there. And uh, uh, one night you said this, salvation is the end of individualism. And so it's not about me anymore. And, and I really like what Deacon Burris said last Wednesday. I, I really like that phrase, pushing the gospel forward. That's what we're here for. So um, in our giving, that's part of pushing the gospel forward. You know, so it's not just all about us. It's not about what, about what we can get. Okay, so let's go to Matthew 6. And I'm going to read Matthew 6, uh, 19 through 21. I know uh, Minister Stinson and Minister Rodriguez, I'm going to put my glasses on. I I need them. Okay, Matthew 6 and 19. Lay up not for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so, I wanted to find uh, some terms in, uh, actually, in, out of Matthew 6 and 21. The word treasure is defined as a, a deposit or wealth. What you value most and what you think on the most. And I also wanted to find the word heart. And some of this, uh, these definitions are as defined by our founding pastor. Um, I call it the archives. I searched the archives for his notes, and uh, he defined the heart in there a number of times. And so, um, one definition it's the inner man, the seat of man's desires, feelings, actions, and passions. It's where life flows. And uh, that's reference uh, Proverbs chapter 4. Uh, Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. It is the center of man's being. 
The mind, the will, and the emotions of man. The heart is where man makes choices and decisions. And I also want to say too that um, my, my founding pastor, he would tell this story about he had a dream or that someone uh, said to read Ezra. And uh, it was in that, you know, I, I always takes me to Ezra 7 and 10. And I know, I strongly believe, you know, that, uh, you know, at the time when he was mentioned here, because he was so candid in, in the things he said that he didn't care about who heard it or how it was stated. But it brings me back to Ezra 7 and 10. And so it says here, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. And that always reminds me of the heart of our founding pastor, Horace Hill. Okay, <clears throat> so along with the treasure and heart, I also want to mention a phrase. Uh, it mentions in, uh, I think it was verse 19, treasures in heaven. And that's like money and things, you know, things that are temporal. Things that don't last. And also, it makes mentions of uh, treasures in heaven. And I believe that's in verse 20. And that, and we're going to search this one out. Treasures in heaven is righteousness through Jesus Christ, God's grace. And the first uh, scripture we want to use to search that out is, I want to go to Isaiah 51. I'm going to read verse 1 and uh, verse 7 through 8. Seven through eight. I do have a, a number of scriptures, so if I get to a point to where, you know, I may call them out and may, may I just go ahead and say them myself and not just, you know, wait for you to turn there if the time becomes an issue. Okay, Isaiah 51. Hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. Look unto the rock whence ye are are hewn and to the hole of the pit whence you are dead. Now verse 7. Hearken unto me ye that know righteousness, the people in whose heart is my law. Fear ye not the reproach of men, neither be ye afraid of their revilings. For the moth shall eat them up like a garment, and the worm shall eat them like wool. But my righteousness shall be forever, and my salvation from generation to generation. So, Referencing that to Mark to uh, Matthew uh, verses 19 and 20, where it mentions moth or rust does eat them up. Righteousness is eternal. Also, <clears throat> another scripture along that. I also want to look in the New Testament, First Timothy, chapter six, and that's going to be verses nine through eleven. First Timothy six nine through eleven, but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, 
flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. So again, and I made a mention about you know how we we search scriptures for those for those things that we want, and we, we try to turn it into something else, you know. And then we said that you know God has for us, but uh, I'm gonna come back later with another one too. And uh, I think pretty much it will just shut all that down. One more scripture, and again this is relating righteousness to uh, Jesus Christ when we're talking about treasures in heaven. That's gonna be Romans chapter 10, verse 10. With the heart, man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So it's the heart of man that we have to have righteousness. And so that's what you want in your heart, to be a giver. You want to have a heart for God, and if you have a heart for God, you will give. Now, but I also want to define righteousness, and uh, I think Minister Castillo defined it um, in a lesson a while back, it wasn't in this month, but it was. I think it was in one of those Wednesday night series. But righteousness is a Mesopotamian term that comes from a river reed, which was used as a construction tool to judge the horizontal straightness of walls and fences. God chose the term to be used metaphorically of His own name. He is the straight edge ruler by which all things are evaluated. This asserts God's righteousness as well as His right to judge. Man can never declare himself righteous. It is by God's grace that we are declared righteous through faith. And that's referenced through Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. And I'm just going to hold off on going there just because, uh, again, I have a number of scriptures. But also, just to speak towards self-righteousness, God doesn't even get a rule out to that. You know, when you, you speak of what you've done or you, you search out the things just for yourself and you claim your own self-righteousness, I also liken that to you putting yourself on, on the throne. But he, there's no measure to that. Romans 10 and 4, we're not too far from there. We were just in verse, uh, just verse 10. 10 and 4 says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. And um, I'll just make a quick reference, but uh, I guess it's a popular scripture, but it's also quoted in, uh, in Hebrews. But Genesis 15 and 6 says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Just on his belief alone. Alright, so now to get to the intent of this lesson. The intent of this lesson is to cause you to examine your heart. The objective is to understand that your giving into God's kingdom is tied to your heart condition. Your giving is not acceptable to God if your heart isn't right. Seek righteousness in your life will line up with the kingdom of God. And last one. Your value, in the, your value in the kingdom of God is tied through the righteous one, Jesus Christ. And um, so the <clears throat> statement about your giving is not... Well, actually, I'm going to slow down a little bit and read that again just in case anybody's writing it. So the intent is to cause you to examine your heart. The objective is for you to understand that your giving into God's kingdom is tied to your heart condition. Your giving is not acceptable to God if your heart isn't right. Seek righteousness and your life will line up with the kingdom of God. And your value in the kingdom of God is tied to the righteous one, Jesus Christ. And so just um, as a reference scripture to God wanting you to give from your heart, 
So, you know, he's not just happy just because you, you give him money. It's not about the giving. It's, it's about the attitude of giving or how you give from your heart. And so for that one, I want to go to uh, first Exodus 25 and 2. And this is uh, an offering was being taken up for the, for, the, for the tabernacle. And it says, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they may bring me an offering. Of every man that giveth it willingly, with his heart, ye shall take my offering. So he said, Willingly, with his heart, ye shall take my offering. And the second one I want to reference is also, I'm um, sorry, it's First uh, Chronicles 29 and 9. And uh, this particular scripture, this uh, David, is now taking up a collection for the temple that's going to build through, be built through Solomon. Then the people rejoiced, for that they offered willingly, because with, per with the perfect heart they offered willingly to the Lord, and David the king also rejoiced with great joy. And again, it says with a perfect heart. And so that's what God wants to receive from us. Now, so <clears throat> I'm going to go a little bit. Away from that, and come back to uh, right back to Matthew six nineteen through twenty one, because I want to go talk about uh, Malachi. Because you know, when you talk about giving, you talk about tithing, which you know, we're going to mention tithing too. Uh, you do well to mention Malachi chapter three, but also I'm going to mention some other things in Malachi. So, in the book of Malachi and in chapter one, God is dealing with the hearts of the Israelites. He addresses the priests in chapter one about their their sacrifices. Um, they were starting to offer sacrifices that were maimed. They were blind. Uh, some were sick unto death. Uh, and it was not acceptable. As a matter of fact, in Leviticus 22, 21 and 22, God speaks about uh, those offerings that we shouldn't offer anything that's maimed or blind. And so they have lost their, fears for, their fear for God. He addresses the priests about the sacrifice they offer in violating his ordinances in, in Leviticus in chapter 2 of Malachi, he deals with them, the priests, again, about taking strange wives and about neglecting the wives of their youth. And, of course, in Malachi 3, he deals with them about their tithes and offering. And so I do want to go and read Malachi 3, and it's going to be uh, verses 6 to 12. And, obviously, this was uh, the whole basis of the series of the real truth about the tithe. Malachi 3, 6-12 For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Even from the days of your fathers you are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But you said, Wherein shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven, and pour you out a blessing. There shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the 
the time in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, says the Lord of hosts. And even in that, um, you know, the pouring out the windows of heaven blessing, we, we go and we, we seek money. We seek those temporal things. But uh, I'm going to come back to that. I know uh, in that series, Pastor Hill really laid that out. And uh, I have some things in there, too, from her series about uh, about how we should take the tithe. So, to finish up Malachi, though, in chapter 4, verse 6, he, the last verse, he talks of turning the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. In Malachi 4 and 2, he talks of the son of righteousness arising with healing in his wings for those that fear him. Jesus Christ will be coming to project light in a dark place that it will illuminate in the hearts of men. So, at this point, what I want to say is we're in the last book of the Old Testament. And for those people that say, well, you know, uh, tidings of the Old Testament, that's the last thing on God's mind before we go into a new covenant. And so how is it then that it's old? It's easy to say we don't have to do that anymore. And again, I still got something to come back for that too. But we're in the last book of the Bible, and that's on his heart, how the priests have rejected him, how the Israelites have rejected him, and even in their giving, in their tithes and offering. Now, <clears throat> but at the start of the New Testament, and actually when I say start, I'm, I'm just taking, uh, I'm just going to go to Matthew. And we're going to see what Jesus says when he, uh, when he first comes on the scene in Matthew. So shortly after, uh, well not shortly after, this went on for about 400 years, you know, the, the scribes and the Pharisees were just browbeating people about the law and stuff like that. But in Matthew 3, uh, verse uh, 13 through 15, let's take a look at that. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I need to be baptized of thee. And cometh thou to me? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Suffer it be so now, for thus it is becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. So, I mentioned in verse Malachi 4 and 2, the son of righteousness, now he has appeared. He's the one that's been prophesied of. <clears throat> and also, um, Malachi 3, he talks about giving. So, we had a whole series on the Beatitudes, which started in Matthew 5. So, after Matthew 3, Jesus gets tempted of Satan. And now he goes on and, uh, to Matthew 5, and then we have uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm not going to say a whole lot about that because, again, we've had a whole series of all the ministers have come up and talked about that. All I want to say is that in, shortly after in chapter 5 of Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is dealing with the hearts of the listeners. You can, t I mean, in the Beatitudes, he starts off with the Beatitudes. He's telling them what a real heart for God should be like. He's describing what kind of hearts they should have. In Matthew 6, he gives specific examples in dealing with their hearts. He first starts with their giving. So we're going to go to Matthew 6. Verses 1 through 4. Now again, like I said, we're, we're working our way back around to... We're in, we're in 6 already, so we're getting back to 19 through 21, and we're going to go a little bit past that too. So Matthew 6, verse 1 through 4. Take heed that you do not do your alms before men, to be seen of them. Otherwise you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore... 
When thou doest thine alms, do not sound the trumpet before thee, as the hypocrite do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest thine alms, let not thine left hand know what thy right hand doeth. That thine alms may be in secret, and that thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. So here, again, and he's not talking about an amount. He's only dealing with the attitude of giving. And if it's in their attitude of giving, it's in their heart. Their heart for giving. So, you know, they want to be seen of men. And again, that's just, again that just leads to self-righteousness. So he doesn't mention a specific amount of how much they should give. At another time, though, he does mention something about the amount. And he favors the heart of a woman that gave all she had and not of her abundance. And that's in Matthew 12, 41 to 43. And Jesus said, against the treasury, and beheld, I'm sorry, and Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many were rich, cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a party. And he came, and he called unto him his disciples, and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow has cast more in than they which have cast into the treasury. And so there is an amount speaking of it. Says, uh, find it real quick. And many that were rich cast in much. He made no mention of that. It was about the heart. That's why. And so when you're given the amount, the amount is the heart situation. It's the amount of your heart. It's not the amount of your pocketbook. The fact that he deals with the attitudes of giving means he's dealing with their hearts on the matter. He also deals with them about prayer and fasting. Deacon Burr's minister us about prayer. And I'm not going to go there, but still, I'm just saying the heart is not just about money, but he's also, you know, prayer and fasting. You've got to have a holy lifestyle. But I do uh, want to make mention that in all three of those things he mentioned, he mentioned giving. He went on to mention prayer. He went on to mention fasting. But in all three of those, at the end of each one of those, he says, These should be done in secret. And I follow that see in secret himself shall reward thee openly. So, again, he is ministering to the hearts of these people. God wants us to give from the heart, as mentioned from Exodus 25 and 2. Alright, so now, I want you to go with me to Matthew 6. 33 and 34. Alright. Matthew 6, 33 and 34. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take the thought of things of itself, sufficient as the day is evil thereof. And so, just for time's sake, I didn't mention all the stuff before that. He was talking about how the fowl they don't toll and uh, that God will provide. And so these things that we worry about, if we seek righteousness first, again, going back to uh, um, righteousness should be in the heart. It's a treasure in heaven. It's, it's our righteousness. If we seek that first, he sees that we have needed these things and they will be provided. His righteousness is Jesus Christ. Jesus is God. In that verse 6 and 33, 
Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Jesus is saying, seek me. Stop searching the scriptures for money and things and seek me. John 5 and 39 says, Search the scriptures, for in them you have eternal life. And they are that which testify of me. So all those people, you know, if you're going naming and claiming, and Minister Mark mentioned that uh, uh, which was an awesome lesson on water to wine, about how the lady put oil in the vessels and she had because she owed creditors because her husband had died. And some people think, oh, that's my supernatural blessing. God going to pay all my bills. They're just going to be gone away. But you need to pay your obligations. But while you're searching those scriptures, naming and claiming, search those scriptures for what it says about Jesus Christ. Not about for those things you're trying to get. Because he says, seek my righteousness first. Don't go looking for that stuff. The blessings of Abraham is mine. Seek ye first, and not, seek righteousness first and not money, and your giving will line up with God's standards. If you do prosper in wealth, remember that because Jesus is Lord, he's Lord over your finances. And, he will, and you will give towards the kingdom. And that which remains, you will spend it in his righteousness. Not any, towards any ill will. Another scripture, uh, I guess somewhat popular, Psalms 37 and 4. It says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. So, let's put it this way. Let's say my desire is to have these things. And uh, I finally realized, okay, I need to seek Jesus first. He needs to be first in my life. He needs to be number one in my heart. So all those things I ever sought, and then when I finally seek Him, and I, and I line up with, with God's standard, with God's righteous standard, the desires of my heart won't be those things that I was seeking before. It's going to be what God wants in my life. And like uh, Deacon Burris uh, said last time, it's for the lost. Salvation is the end of individualism. So our heart goes out to them. Okay, here's another reason why, because some people, you know, they consider money a seed. Money is a means by which we obtain things in this world. And it is. It's, it's how we navigate. You know, we have to have money to get things done in the earth. You know, we have to, uh, particular things that we need. It's going to come through some channels of money. But here's the thing about money. Money is what it is. It's just neutral. If... I take money, I can buy evil things, I can do evil things to achieve money, but righteousness can't afford me that. If I line up with Jesus Christ, I'm not going to do anything evil with my money. I'm not going to want to obtain money through, through any evil means. So again, if those people that say money is a seed, the seed is in your righteousness, it's in your obedience to God. And the scripture for that. Is Matthew 12 and 35. Matthew 12 and 35. A good man out of the treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. So you can't tell your righteousness to evil. Seek the righteousness first. And you will line up, your giving will line up, and how you give and how you spend will line up with God's righteous standard. All right. 
And this uh, this was uh, this next thing here. So I'm kind of not changing gears. I'm just going uh, kind of back towards Malachi a little bit in the uh, series on tithing. The real truth about tithing. One of the uh, statements was tithing is a direct relation to my heart condition and my thinking. All right. So if I tithe only to have my needs met, then I have nothing for others. It's not about me. If I don't tithe, I can't super abound. I can't sow something. I've got to sow something to super abound. Superbounding is a process. It takes faith to superabound. Superabounding is not about me and my finances. It's about me sowing back into the kingdom. It's not about me helping to meet the needs of... I'm sorry, it's about me helping to meet the needs of others. Matthew 6 and 32. We were just there. So again... He's talking about these things, you know, that we, uh, that we, we, we seek after. And he says, For all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your Heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. God knows we have need of things to make it in this world. We as people are His agents in the earth to be used to help others in their, in their needs. We're ambassadors on the earth representing the kingdom of God. And that's why I like that series so much because it even went to this uh, at some point in the series about us being ambassadors to earth. Uh, in, in the earth. And so, I want to put it this way. We kind of have insecurities about giving because we're worried about things that may occur. You know, what if I tie it and tomorrow something major breaks down? Well, after, uh, for your Father in Heaven knows that you have need of these things. And I go back to I am. Tomorrow, what you're worried about, I am. And again, uh, just to hop too much on, on, on Deacon Burns, but he said that he said it already. God looked into your tomorrows. When he went to the cross, he looked into your tomorrows. He saw that you'll, those things that you're going to need. He saw that you're going to have issues with giving, but he gave you his son. He gave you his heart because you want to seek a heart of righteousness. So, well, can I wait till the end of the month and then give it when I know everything's okay? Well, you're not saying I am. So, to have a heart for God, we got to step out, and we got to have faith. So, we got to step out on our faith. And so, you know, these little temporal things that we worry about—that you know, we, well, you know, if my car breaks down, this and that, or if there's just a major plan, so all that stuff happens. God has seen your tomorrows, and He says already, these are temporal things. You know, anytime you buy something new, I go out and get a car. We talk about how the value of a depreciation already when you take it off the lot. Well, not only that, it's, you know, even when it was, from the moment it was made, it was sitting on the lot looking brand new, it's already starting to deteriorate. Because it's, it's, it's temporal things. Alright. <clears throat> so, in that, uh, in the series, uh, Pastor Hill gave three purposes for the tithe. It was to finance the kingdom of God in the earth, to take care of the household of faith. And I'm going to go to a third one, and I'm going to come back to the second one here in a minute. And it was, the third one was to provide for the needs of the body of Christ, temporal or spiritual. When you tithe, you give God the legal means to intervene in your temporal affairs. You now have supernatural insight in your natural affairs. All right, so let's take a look at that. 
Now, I also mentioned here too, so uh, the fact that uh, tithing is out of obedience. And if we have issues with giving anything, dirt is the Lord and the Lord's in the fullness thereof. It was already His anyway. And He's only asking for 10%. When we're talking about, you know, your money, you know, He's only asking for 10%. But in that 10%, He's really asking for your obedience, but we're having a fit with that. Once you tithe and do what's right, God will give you supernatural insight over your natural affairs. And so, and again, uh, per Pastor Hill, I want to define what supernatural insight is. It's a total environmental concept of what God is doing through His Word. So again, because uh, again, we want to, and in CDs, we have supernatural insight, we have superabound. And if you hear it in the wrong heart, you're going to see S's like, shaped like dollar signs on superabound and supernatural. Again, because, you know, that's, you know, in, in just by default, in this world, in this earth, you know, our flesh, we're going to desire those things. And money's a means of getting those things. When you obey, he will see to the preservation of the enemy taken from you in every aspect of your life. And for that, I'm going to go back to Malachi 3 and 11. And this is out of your obedience. Here's what God will do for you. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine <coughs> cast forth her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. So, in that supernatural insight, God is protecting you, what's yours, but you have to give him your heart, though. He will make your seed bear fruit. Before I mention this next statement, and again, this is, uh, again, Pastor Appreciation Month, so I'm going to mention my, my founding pastor, and, uh, you know, there's just a lot of profound things he said, but he, he said whenever you, you, you teach a message, you'd be hard-pressed to not mention God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus Christ. So, let the Holy Spirit work in you and give you insight into your spiritual and natural affairs. The Holy Spirit doesn't offer a cafeteria plan where you can pick and choose and how we want to dwell in how we want to we want sorry how and when we want to dwell in and use and also in any aspect of our life as it has free reign. So those things that we uh, that are temporal or things that our flesh wants, we won't consult the Holy Spirit on that because we want those things so bad. But when we get in some issues where uh, we're having some spiritual issues, then we want to go to pray, we want to seek the Holy Spirit, or uh, we have some kind of business venture and. We may put the blame on the Holy Spirit. Well, well I spoke to God and uh, He came in a dream that I should, I should do this. I should take my money and invest it in this. All right. So, <clears throat> you can't just rely on Him when you need Him. If you allow Him to deal with your character, also allow Him to deal with your finances. And so, and again, uh, I know in the natural world we have, you know, we have financial advisors and stuff like that. But um, when it comes to the kingdom of God, let the Holy Spirit be your financial advisor. Let him tell you those things that we best are done with your money. How you would, would spend your, your expenditures. He will guide you in all righteousness and there will be no wrong choices. Stewardship teaches us to be a steward over the provisions of God. We superabound so we can sow into the kingdom. We superbound so we can meet the needs of others. 
To understand meeting the needs of others, we have to have a heart for God, and we will have a heart for others. And again, first and foremost, we you know a, a salvation is the end of individualism. We're here to seek and save the lost. So, to tie it properly, I got a number for you. It's the two hundred. It's the two hundred percent. So here we go. To tie it properly, I have to give God ten percent of my earnings, but I got to give Him hundred percent of my heart. After I give Him the ten percent and hundred percent of my heart, the ninety is still His because He has hundred percent of your heart. Allow the Holy Spirit to be a guide with the ninety, and allow Him to be your financial advisor. That's the two hundred percent. And so, when Jesus talked about that woman and she gave all she had. She gave that little in amount when it came to worldly stuff for money, but she gave 100% of her heart. And that's what God, he called the disciples over to mention that. That he esteemed very highly. So if there's anybody out there, if you truly, you know, uh, just don't have it and you give what you get, you give from your heart, then you shouldn't worry about the amount. You should thank Jesus that you are able to give. Give 10% of your increase, 100% of your heart, and you can superbound with the 90. Just remember that superbounding is not just about you. So even after we get to a point to where we can superbound, we have the 90, say, oh, okay, this is mine. Well, it is. But if you have a heart for God, we cannot continue to superbound until, if you look around you in your homes right now, or look outside your windows, your neighborhood, there's lost out there. We go to work, there's loss out there. We go to school, there's loss out there. We go to the grocery store, we encounter people. We watch the news, there's loss out there. So again, even though we're talking about giving, it's not just about money. Because we're talking about giving from the heart. And so everything else is going to follow. Examine your heart. So when I, when I um, read that scripture, Matthew 6 and 21 about uh, where your treasure is there your heart will be also just as another term I just called it like, you know, like your heart we will treat it like it's uh, like your treasure chest what do you have in your treasure chest so this is what I'm saying now when you examine your heart examine what's in your treasure chest so you know do you, do you gather up things and you open up and look it in there and, and see what you like and you're really satisfied with it and you feel like I got a whole lot of security because we tend to, in our money, you know, when we got a large bank account, or at, at some points in our lives when we, we come across a large amount of money, boy, our emotions change, everything changes, our confidence changes, and then when we lose it, you know, it goes with that. So, is your heart in your money? Or, do you open your treasure chest, and do you see others in there? Do you see others in your treasure chest? Or do you open your treasure chest, and do you see a mirror? Self-righteousness, looking at yourself, that's it. If my treasure chest is in abundance and others around me go liking, then I need to evaluate my heart. From Matthew 6 and 21, examine your treasure chest to reveal the contents of your heart. So I just have a few things that your uh, treasure chest should be occupied with. And certainly not, uh, you know, I, I can't list them all. Actually, I can. As a matter of fact, I'm going to list them all here in just a minute. Okay. I've been saying it already, but first and foremost, the loss of valuable. The loss should be in our treasure chest. 
If the lost are valued, then they should be treasured. They should be in your heart. If you give, if you have a heart for God, they will be in your treasure chest. Luke 19, 7 through 10. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be a guest with the man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by a false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for so as much as he is also a son of Abraham. With a proper heart condition, the only thing you will hate is sin. You won't hate the person. You'll hate the sinful acts. So, when I speak of the loss, you know, you can look at the outer appearance. You know, I had a, a young man that I talked to in my neighborhood, and he was he was ashamed because, you know, he want, he, he, uh, he's given his life to Christ, but he says, people are going to say stuff about my tattoos, you know, how I look, you know, uh, certain things, you know, and I said, well, you know, we all have marks that we carried in this world. You know, we can, I, can, you know I can clearly see yours. But I'm going to look past that. Because you're valuable. And who you are and how you look now, you can go into this world to your generation. You're, you know, you're the other 21-year-olds and the 20-year-olds, and you can minister to them. And they can see that, do I look like this? God still loves me. I can still have a heart for God and it will be acceptable. And um, <clears throat> in the loss being valuable, the purpose of the tithe, it was purpose number two in the series on the truth about the tithe. It's to publish the gospel to the lost to be used and outreached. And again, I'm going to go back, push the gospel forward. So in whatever ways we can, whatever our given, however that affects the outreach, you know, we could be, we go out into a neighborhood and we set up for, you know, give out free food and stuff like that just so we can minister to people, then that's what our giving's for. That's what we're, that's what we're, we're funding those things. But see, it's a thing, uh, for example, you know, in this world, if I go to the store, I give money, I get something in return, I can see a return on my investment. But, Things like this, you know, righteousness and all this. Well, what is that? You know, I don't, I don't see any return on that yet. You got to be patient. You got to have faith. My decrease in helping others is my increase in the kingdom. My decrease is not a sacrifice; it's out of my obedience. And uh, again, for time's sake, I'm not going to say a whole lot about that. But also, in, 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 again, this, this, uh, that series, Pastor Hill did uh, the first lesson right off the bat. I mean, it was, it just. Called me right there. She says, uh, tithing is not uh, sacrifice. Sacrifice is something we do to make up for where we erred. And so when we erred in our finances, you know, even though we come into the kingdom, you know, we accept Jesus Christ as Lord saving our life, we have to do some correcting to get back to where we need to be, to be in a position of uh, to give properly. But it's out of your obedience. And um, my, my dad used to say it all the time, but obedience is better than sacrifice. And that is that is scriptural. I just didn't have it down here, but uh, 
Well, I'm not going to even try to quote what scripture was, but it, it does say that, though. Jesus said, the poor will be with you always. If you have a heart for God, you'll say, oh, then there's always going to be a purpose to give. So when I give, I should give to a purpose. I shouldn't sit and wait for a need. And really, that's where the people that do give, we, we put more stress on them because when it's a need arises, we look around at those people that always give. Or, you know, if we, or if we, for example, witness what that person went through, we'll probably give it to because we saw it. Because, again, like I said, we don't see a return on our investment when it's things that we can't see. We don't see where the money goes. We want to see that, you know. If we as a body will, uh, will have others in our treasure chest, then they will have us in their treasure chest. And we can supply each other's needs. When this happens, men will see our heart for each other, which will be a blessing to them and prompt them to want to know God. In a recent message, Pastor mentioned that we must first have a heart for each other. And so, um, I think of it this way too. So if, if I allow Jesus Christ into my life, Jesus Christ is the light of the world. If he's in my heart, that light's going to radiate out of my heart. And just a little simple scientific principle, light travels in straight lines in all directions. And so, there's people in this room right now, that light radiates out of my heart. But again, you know, you can't see it because, you know, again, people just want to see stuff. But you're going to see the light because you're going to see my actions, you're going to see my lifestyle, and you're going to see my lifestyle towards you. Because I value you whether you lost or whether you're not. So when that light radiates out of my heart, some hearts... It's not going to allow light in, but some will. You know, if they're hardened, the light may not get in. But the hearts that it does get into, they'll receive Jesus Christ, and that light's going to radiate out of their hearts. And guess what? I'm going to be privy to that. I'll receive some of that light, and there is my blessing. Righteousness should be in my treasure chest. If it is, then it leaves no room for worldly gain. Covenant should be in my treasure chest. We enter into a covenant of salvation. Every aspect of our lives should enter into um, the covenant. So I should I entered into a covenant of giving. These things point to Jesus Christ. If He is not in our treasure chest, then we're never going to be righteous, and there is no covenant with Him. When I entered into the salvation covenant of God, everything must fall in line with His standard, and I must have a covenant of giving. And really, uh, I kind of said the answer right there, because when I said uh, I can't mention everything, well, again, Pastor said it. If you want to seek truth, seek it through the life of Jesus Christ, through his ministry and Jesus Christ, having him in your heart, you cover Everything's there. Everything. Availability and service should be found in my treasure chest. You have to make yourself available to our your local church. Hebrews 6 and 10. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed towards his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And so, going back to, uh, back in uh, 6, 1 through 4, it says, <coughs> God who sees things in secret, will reward you openly that's where your reward will come but again you know if we're self-righteous we want men to see those things before we even get our reward we're impatient 
unity should be in your treasure chest. And uh, that was, uh, I think that was Minister Castillo talked about unity in the diversity in the body of Christ. So as far as your giving goes, it should be a statement like, uh, well, I don't have a child in YWC. Why should I give towards that? Or I'm not going to it. Why should I give? But in unity, we support all aspects of our local community. If you struggle to have a heart for God, let him perform surgery on your heart through his word. And here is the surgical procedure. If we go to Hebrews 4 and 12. Hebrews 4 and 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That right there, that is your, uh, that's, that's God doing surgery on your heart. So, <clears throat> to have a heart for God, you have to change your thinking. And I want to reference Romans 12 and 2 first. You have to change your thinking. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We were born into this world, we are born in the flesh, and our flesh, you know, wants things, it wants to be pleased. So we won't understand those things. Matter of fact, people that are in the world, the lost, they won't understand those things. You're like, why do you give your money to that church? But again, you know, if, you know, if we go back to the earth is lords and fools thereof, it's never ours anyway. As a matter of fact, in Deuteronomy it says God gives us the ability to gain wealth. Why not give him back what he is? He only asked for ten percent. But he wants hundred percent of your heart though. So you just can't go give ten percent and just walk out of here and think you're fine. Your heart's gotta gotta come with it. Our founding pastor, here's a statement he made in um says, you, not, you can't deny the word access to your heart if you want to renew your mind. So it is the word of God that's going to do his work in your heart. Through studying the word of God and coming here for confirmation. <coughs> Philippians 4, 6 through 8. Be careful, or be, sorry, be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, but thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. That's how you change your thinking. You've got to punish those thoughts. 
but you're going to do it through the Word. Because the Word provides a rebuttal for everything that you can ever think of that you want to do. If there's something that you're not sure of, just ask the Holy Spirit, should I do it? Again, let Him be your financial advisor. Punish your thoughts. Since the Word is a two-edged sword, take the Word and slay those thoughts. You have to surround yourself with others who have given their hearts to God. You have to die to yourself. Salvation is the end of individualism. 1 Timothy 6. I'm going to read verses 9 through 11. Actually, um, Actually, I'm sorry, I read that already, but I'm just, just going to just clarify one more time. I'll read it one more time. But they which will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after they have erred in the faith and pierced themselves through many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and fall after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. So, again... Change your thoughts. We have to follow after these things. Because as mentioned earlier, through righteousness, I'm not going to make any, I'm not going to do anything evil to receive money, to gain it. Even if I'm, if I say, well, you know, like, well, I, I stole because I needed to give it to somebody else. But righteousness won't tell you to do that. And you say, well, well, am I covered because I really wanted to give to this person? But seek the word of God and he'll provide there are those who are not satisfied with the purity of the gospel intend to make it into something else and lead others to believe the same. So, <clears throat> in mentioning uh, surrounding yourself with uh, others who have a heart for God, these uh, last few minutes, I want to mention something uh, that occurred. Uh, I was, I was, uh, I was an usher at the time. I wasn't a deacon. And it was one Sunday morning. I was out in the parking lot, and he, this man showed up and he had a baby in his hand. And he asked, uh, he said he come come into town for a funeral, and they weren't expecting to stay another night, but his, his car broke down, and. They needed money for the, the baby to get some food, and they didn't have another enough money to stay another night at the hotel. And so uh, I immediately went over to Deacon Burris. And again, I'm, I'm talking about uh, being around people that have a heart for God. So I went over to Deacon Burris, and he didn't run into the church until let's go tell Pastor, and we're gonna go see what we can do. He immediately told the guy. He asked, you know, the guy gave him, told me the situation. So we both hopped in the car, me, Deacon Burris, and the guy and the baby. And uh, went over to the store and, you know, got him some formula. Even went, got him some Kentucky Fried Chicken. And we went over to uh, the hotel and re-upped the guy for uh, another night. And so the guy told us, he said, if y'all don't believe me, he said, y'all can come up to the hotel and, and uh, you can see my wife and my kids. And um, they can be proof that I'm not just trying to pull y'all leg, you know. So we got done. Uh, everything had been given to him. And so he came down. And uh, he was real appreciative, and he uh, told Deacon Burris, he says, uh, he said, 
Uh, my wife presentable. Y'all can come up now if you want to. And Deacon Burr said no. So we got in the car, and Deacon Bear said one of the most profound things. He said, let that man be the breadwinner for his family. Our part is done. He started the car and we drove off. Folks, that's a heart for God. And I'll never forget that. And so, Pastor, in these last uh, few minutes, I want to say that uh, you talk about, uh, you know, in your, in your uh, those Facebook posts you put out there. And, and plus, you know, I, I got to say, my, I really appreciate my wife because we have a family text where, uh, you know, we, we text, you know, love y'all, all this stuff. And then every now and then she'll put a post in there from Pastor Hill from Facebook. And. <clears throat> so I always get caught on that phrase God's general and so again I, I get enamored in that because you know I just you know, think about military and all that stuff so um, I, I thought about this so us that are here you know we are if you're, if you're God's general then we're the boots on the ground I think that's the name they use for like infantry we're the boots on the ground because we're the ones down here we're pushing the gospel forward and the thing I appreciate about you the most is that we can see that you're on the ground with us. Because when you leave here and you finish ministering, and you still at 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, my wife is sending me these posts, and you still out there through the airways of Facebook ministering the gospel. And I appreciate that so much. And so, uh, you know, I thank my wife a lot, you know, when she does that. Sometimes I may not respond, but it is just so profound. And I just, you know, think about people that's reading this, they really have got to appreciate uh, this going forward. And uh, if we just kind of slow down in the world and just kind of get out of just uh, wanting to have stuff and have a heart for God, we can really learn, we can literally start to, um, to gain in God's kingdom and not just things in this world because, again, this world is just a vapor. And uh, last I want to say, and it's actually from the title of this message have a heart for God hate sin heart to give is our church motto love God hate sin and love to give this has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin for more information about our ministry please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net Thank you.